This is the Behind the Micah podcast, where we discuss Jesus, community, and everyday life. I'm your host, Micah Stephen, and our goal is always to take people from where they are to where they need to be. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to Behind the Micah podcast. Hope you're doing well this Tuesday afternoon. And uh, we're closing out the very last day of February today. And, and by the way, Jason, I don't know if, if you ever did this as a kid growing up, but I still use like the things in which I was taught. Like um, like when I say February, I always say February just because that's how you spell right? it. Right? I, I learned, uh, did you ever learn that trick of the months with your knuckles? Yeah, I still do you know, that sometimes. You know, like what has 31 days, you hit a knuckle yeah, and you like go in between, right? And and so like, yeah, that's how I remember what has 30 and 31 days. I knew, you know, February, no. Well, it's weird that we like, we still use, you know, we still use those different things that we, like I, I was spelling together with Silas the other night and I was like, it's to get her. That's how you spell it, to get her. Or um, Wednesday is Wednesday. day. And I do. Yeah, I remember the Wednesday one. Um, yeah, it's just it's weird. Anyways, February is kind of that weird month, you know, where there's only 28 days, unless it's unless it's leap year, right? And then, yeah, there's hard 20. to believe we're hard to believe we're we're in March. That's hard hey, to believe. One question for you: If you're born on the 29th of February, on leap year, how does that work for your birthday? Do you celebrate it on the 28th or the March or March the first? I think yeah, I'd celebrate it on March the first. Is that it? Is that, I think that'd be like because that'd be the day that you're born, right? Like mm-hmm. that would be the, or else it'd be a day early. But what do you tell people? Like, do you say, "Hey, I was born February 29th," or do you say, yeah. "I was March the first? No, you tell them you're born February 29th. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty unique birthday, huh? I mean, that is I, crazier things. But I wonder if anyone that listens to this has a leap year birthday. If you do, co- t- send us a message or comment on this. If your birthday is on the 29th and when you celebrate that, because I'm struggling with it right now. I'm also struggling with um, like this. This time is kind of like right in between um, St. Patrick's Day and Valentine's Day. So like you to go. You know, my my favorite drink at the coffee place oh, is here, the, we go. here Here it comes. Here it is. It's the ice shamrock macchiato at Duncan. And um, I really like it, um, but it's not out yet because they're still doing Valentine's Day drinks. I'm like, come on, man. It's been two weeks since Valentine's Day. My favorite drink at Duncan is coffee. Oh, OK. Well, so is mine. It's just iced shamrock. That's not coffee. Macchiatoed. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Have we have we taken a poll on this? Like who agrees with who? I'd be interested with that. Like, I will I will set a poll up with this when we when we post this episode. I will uh, I will set up a poll. Uh, what, tell, how are you gonna word, how do you word it? How do you word that? Like does do do uh black coffee or not? Black coffee or girly No, drink? no. <laughs> In a macchiato, a macchiato does, has, a, does has a, an espresso. Does a ice shamrock macchiato count as drinking coffee? Oh my gosh! Let me just tell you: if you haven't had it, it will change your life. No, like it, it change your life because you'd become. Do you do you like pistachios? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, like by themselves, not not dropped in my coffee. <laughs> 
I don't want I seen you with coffee, dude. I've been at your house. You 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 can't take a cup of coffee without putting something in it. Like we, you're like, here, put this raspberry juice in your coffee. Yeah. It's good. I'm like, stop. No, just put coffee in your coffee. <laughs> so here so we've beat this I'm so bad, a thousand like, when, times, but when I used to drink I used to you know, I started out drinking coffee as like as a young guy, young, young with cream and sugar a little bit. But I would not use sugar or cream. I would use coffee ice cream. That's how much of a man I am. Listen, I don't know about that, but I would say this. Like, I think you feel, I feel like you think that anything that's not black coffee is like a milkshake. And it's, I feel not. like it's, I it's feel like, not. all right. I feel like it calls me to question your manhood. That's okay. What. I, I don't like, I don't like extremely sweet. I also don't like extremely bitter. Like I'm in the middle, like let's have the bitter and the sweet marry each other. And go from there, right? Kind of like you and yeah, like you and Crystal. Yeah. Well, which one's bitter and which one's sweet? You know. You know. <laughs> but but anyways, yeah. So so anyways, here we are. We're we're almost um, to March Madness. We already were talking about this a little bit earlier. Indiana man's having a great year. Uh, Duke, eh, not not so Indiana, much. Indiana has more losses than Duke. Indiana plays in a tougher conference than Duke. Says who? Uh, says everybody. I don't. I mean, I that might be true, but but it, like, oh, it's definitely true. It might be true, but what the like? It, it comes really difficult to determine that when the conference starts beating each other up. Well, can you name me one team right now that's like who's the best team in the ACC right now? Yeah, I, I think that's. I think it, the best team. I, I I think the best team is Duke or Miami. I think it's the team you don't want to play in the tournament. Okay, I'm just uh, saying, like, the, who, who, like, there's not really one, like, that's even the top of the ACC though, right now. Like, there's who, nothing in the who's top scary the in the tournament in the Big Ten. Scary? Yeah. Who Who do you not want to play? Purdue, Indiana. I'm not scared of Northwestern in the tournament. Northwestern's who's got gonna, some real a really good backcourt. But, but I'm not scared of them in the tournament, and 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 I, th- I so I think they're. I here here's what I think. Like I think. Uh, like say you take Purdue and IU, say they're the best two teams in the conference, right? They are. They are. And and let's say, I, I, yeah, I think I think they they have the highest ceiling, and they're less likely to get to lose to a high seed. Northwestern can beat anybody, but they can also lose to anyone. I agree with they that. Can, Northwestern can lose to anybody in that field. Anybody. I agree. I agree. Uh, and 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 I don't. I think in the ACC, you put Northwestern in the ACC, and they're mm-hmm. middle bottom of the pack. I do. I think not this I think year. Not this I, year. I think that. Yeah, rank, ACC this year is not that good. I'm just talking like like ignore ranking. I'm just talking now. Who you want to see in the tournament? I'm saying like I don't want to see. I don't want to see Northwestern. I don't want to see Maryland. I don't want to see Iowa. I don't want to see Illinois or Michigan. Oh come State. on! Yeah, come on! Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just telling you, man. I don't. Man, I don't want to see. Anybody. You're, a, you're a conference homer. Here's what I do, like, <laughs> like you, like you insult the ACC. Like I care. I root for Duke, and then I hope everyone else in the ACC loses every game they ever play. Yeah. Well. Like I hope. I hope. Like like if Carolina played Hawaii I'm rooting for Hawaii I don't I mean there's nobody there's nobody like there's nobody I would root for I don't I don't root for ACC. Purdue I don't All root right. for Purdue 
But you're all like the Big Ten. I don't care about the conference. Well, I care about it, but it team. matters. The conference strength matters because it affects what it, you can't look at seeding. just. Oh well, let's yeah, look it, at the record. Who has more? But losses. that becomes like like seeding and ranking. It, it you know it kind of becomes all convoluted based on that, right? Like it, it starts to become all your assumptions from early in the year. How you have to ki- stick with them. Yeah. It's very you, you know you have to stick with your assumptions. And, uh, you know, like, like, so why, you know, Duke has eight losses, Indiana nine, there's TCU's got 10 or 11. Uh, why are they, you know, ranked 15 and Duke's ranked probably would be 27 in the polls, you know, if they were, if they went that far. Um, Cause the big 10 better this year. That's why. Uh, and that's the assumption. Yeah. That's the assumption, but it is, but, but they can't, true. but, but they can't, can, you know, they can't control their schedule. Well, I understand that. Well, to, to an extent, you can't control your conference schedule. Right? I can't. You know, I can't control. We scheduled Ohio State and beat them, and they stunk. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we beat no, them. Too, I can't. So. I, I, right. I mean, that's not. <laughs> that's normally a good win. Hey, but we also beat North Carolina too. I'm thankful for that. Yeah, <laughs> I root. And the big I don't ten, hate the big team to get better too. I don't hate IU. But you kind of make me want to, and 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 so like, I'm a passionate fan and love my team. Yeah, I mean, but but I'll say this. I mean, like I was I was cheering for IU against Carolina. Yeah, you know what? Carolina has. Uh, I really thought they were going to have a great year this year, and now they're 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 struggling to even make it. Like if Duke if Duke beats back, Carol- back if Duke is- beats Carolina if Duke beats Carolina on Saturday, Carolina's watching from home. How bad has Carolina missed uh, Brady this year? Oh man, Manic was inc- yeah. you know he was Manic, their best player. He was kind of the glue that held them all together. Yeah, huh? and no now, doubt. I think I think that's what's showing. But Nance is uh, shooting from three the last couple of games, but uh, you know at the same time, yeah, yeah. Nance Nance couldn't cut it in the Big Ten, so we sent him to the ACC. Good, good. <laughs> we we better talk about important stuff. Man. Hey, you know what? I love I love this time of year, especially when I do too. Uh, especially when my team is good. Um, it's somebody texted me the other night, not an IU fan, and said, "You know what? The tournament is so much better when Indiana and Purdue are good." Um, I think so. Indiana okay. Indiana makes college basketball better when they're good. So maybe Indiana per- Purdue is irrelevant. And and you know what? Nobody it, nobody cares about Purdue in the tournament. Nobody. You you know I, what? <clears throat> there there's five teams, maybe that people that make the tournament matter. Five teams. You got Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, Indiana, Kansas. That's it. Nobody else cares about it. UCLA used to be, but nobody cares about it. California basketball. But those five teams, that's it. Hey, nobody. There's a, there's a chance though. That because our our girls team's good too, right? Our girls team could win a national championship this year. Yeah, I mean, they're they're that good. We lost on a last second three on Sunday, but what what if what if I'm just I'm thinking out of the box here. Indiana men's goes final four. Indiana women goes final four. I mean, come on, man, that's pretty sweet. I don't I don't do the women's stuff, but but Duke Duke but women Duke women have a good team too. Hey, Indiana women are legit. Like they used to not be, and now they are. So I don't. I wouldn't know what. Yeah, come on. Does that count as a sport? Wow, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> wow, 
uh now we're gonna take the poll for the coffee thing and see what everybody says <laughs> um okay so here we are uh we're, we're in acts chapter six uh last week we we just wrapped up talking about um ananias and sapphira got together to conspire a plot to cheat the church and get ahead right and uh and then they both dropped dead <laughs> they both dropped dead and uh we, we we discussed that a little bit here we are we do know that through that the church was continuing to grow even through the death of ananias and sapphira and mm-hmm. um it says that there was a fear like we read about last week. The story continues on. The message is still got to be preached regardless. You know, uh, the world doesn't stop spinning just for Ananias and Sapphira and the church continues on and they run into another problem here in Acts chapter. Yeah. Six. And in Acts chapter six, we see um, there's a little bit of an issue of who's getting what from the, from the, uh, the food stash. Right um and uh tell us a little bit about this this hellenistic jews and hebraic jews you you touched on this but i think it's interesting like we see we in we in our churches have made it such a point to like let's go back to the new testament let's look like the church in the early days but like what what have we read about the condition of the church growing right excelling Mm. awesome stuff and that's what we usually mean by that but you got Peter and John arrested. You got them taken before the Sanhedrin. You got liars in the church lying about uh, their giving. And now you've got this issue that's emerging of, uh, of the distribution of food. And I think there's a couple of things I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Uh, one is that it seems like one of the first ministries, organized ministries of the church, was to care for the widows in the church. And and I guess my question, you're usually the guy asking them, but my question is, is this and should this be a focus point, a focal point of ministry of the church of today? Uh, yes. Widows. The answer is yes. Um, I think we read about this. I believe it's in first Timothy um, mm-hmm. where he talks a little bit about how um, caring for, for different types of widows. First, he talks about widows that have family that still have family that can help take care of. And then he talks about widows who have nobody. Right. Um, he absolutely... gives qualifications for right. who, who makes that benevolent list. Yeah. And, and obviously uh, I think it's important for us to care for widows. Um, uh, you know, whether it be in the church or even I've even, I've even known the church to help those who are widows outside the church as well. Those who, yeah. you know um, I know we, we had, a, we used to have a ministry here that, um, like we would do, we had guys who would change oil, um, and cars for, for I love that. widows or something like I that. I think that's right? a, I think this is a great deacon role. Yeah. Like if Absolutely. you need a job for deacons, uh, I've really thought a lot about this because like, now I know it's different. Like widows aren't as destitute now as they would have been, but they are lonely. Yeah. And they oftentimes can't do something like changing the oil, changing an air filter. And I'm not trying to be like, misogynistic but yeah. you know there's a lot, a lot of times widows don't know how to do they just relied on their husband to do that and uh and it's james says that's what pure religion is caring mm. for the widow yeah so uh i think it just shows something about the importance of that uh that the early church made that a priority now it also became uh their first major problem that was tied up in what I what I've called before maybe on here 
the biggest theological problem that the early church faced, and that was the uh, bridging the gap between uh, Jew and Gentile. Yeah, and and you know this is but, not the first last time that issue comes up. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, that's. I mean, you look at the in, a lot of the New Testament. This is this is a problem, right? Paul addresses it mm. numerous times, but 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 in this case, you know, we have these widows who who are being overlooked, right? They're, right. They're, they're being overlooked, and these are not. This is not Jew Gentile. These are Greek Jews. Right. Uh, that means they were born at, outside of Palestine, right? They were uh, born, you know, to Jewish parents somewhere else, and they. Uh, read from the Septuagint, they had a largely Hellenistic influence on their lives versus Hebrews of Hebrews, right? How how did it get to this? Like, did you know? Did did they? You think that they were sitting there and they were they were passing food out, and someone you know like looked at it and like like, hey, this person's not even like me, so I'm you know yeah, you know like. Like we we can say that racism has been going on for a long time. Like it's yeah. not just now. Like it, it's been going on for a really long time. And That's exactly is- what this what this is. I, it's not racism, but this is an instance of like favoritism. Like they thought that because they were, I mean, because they're ethnically the same, right? Yeah. But but they are culturally different. You know, and and so like it would be like uh, uh, Yankees versus Southerners. Yeah. You know, it'd be like that, and uh, and so, but I I do think we're prone to favor people that look like us, act like us, and share our values. And so I think it's at least fair to say I don't know what you say that that we're probably all prone to this. Yeah. I I I mean like we don't. If if you just left us our own devices, we're gonna favor our kind. Yeah, and I mean that. I don't mean that's right. I just mean that's what we're prone to. Yeah, well, it's pro- probably what we're used to, you know, or or whatever. We, I, I know, I do this sometimes. I, regardless of what it is, like something that I'm, I'm used to, I'm more favorable to choose that yeah. than something that I'm, I'm not. So, and that's with anything. <laughs> that's even with cell phones. So, has nothing to really do with a, a necessarily race. It could be just right. brands, you know. So. Um, but here we are, here we are, we see this, we see this problem that comes up and, you know, I guess my question is, is, is how do we handle problems in the church? Like problems are going to happen. Uh, we have, we have, uh, somebody once said, you know, the, the more people you have, the more problems you have. Mm-hmm. And, and that's absolutely, that's a good point. Cause that's exactly what's going on here. The church is growing and and it meant problem. And, and I don't know if that's a great lesson, maybe for the guy that's preaching in a smaller church and they're thinking, no. they're thinking, man, I'd like to be at that big church. Mm. And uh, more people means more problem, more money, more problems, said my man, uh, my man over here, Biggie. Biggie. You know? yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> you but, know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. Um, Bob Russell used to always say this. He he told he told me this. He said, he said, uh, when my when our church was at a hundred people, uh, ten people were a problem. When when the church grew to a thousand people, a hundred people were the problem. When it grew to ten thousand people, a thousand people, you you get the point. The the even though the church was was growing, 
the more people that you have, the more problems that you're going to have. And, and, and part of that is just because we, um, I, I don't really know what, what the right answer is, but you know, there's, there's been problems I know, and I've been doing this, you've been doing this longer than me, but I've been doing ministry now this, this year will be coming up on 18 years. And I've seen so many problems in the church. I've seen people argue over some of the dumbest stuff. Yeah. Um, and in this case, I'm not saying it's necessarily dumb. I'm just saying, no, it might've been, it might've been a legitimate problem. There, there might've been, and, and you ever consider like kind of the context, there's these, this growing church mm. and there are Jews here in Jerusalem that are Hellenistic background and they're Hebrew background, like pure Hebrew background in born and raised in Jerusalem. Yeah. And then you've got the apostles of the church in charge of the distribution of this, because this is the 12. And and yet there are some that feel slighted. Yeah. Uh, which means who's doing the slighting? Right. The apostles are. Right. Which this is a recurring issue with some of them. Right. Peter is the one that prominently gets that right in Galatians. He has to be confronted with Cornelius. He had to be beat over the head. Yeah. Tell him to go. And so, you know, it's the apostles who are messing this up. Yeah. So, so we see there's this issue and I love, I love verse two. It's, it's great. The the quote that they give in verse two is fantastic. It says, so the, Mm -hmm. so the 12 gathered all the disciples together. Hey, let's have this meeting. And, and here's what we come up with and said this, they said, they said, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Mm. You know, so, so we have, we have uh, essentially what they're saying is, is we have a responsibility to do, and we can't do it because all the problems that are going on. Yeah. We, we can't do both. Yeah. And, and, and we can't, you know, we, we can't take time out of the, I don't know. Do you, I'm not saying that the problems there that was going on the church weren't real and weren't needed to be tended obviously, but Hey, we have a message that we're preaching and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and this is just 12. Like I, I think of this in the context of a local church where, you know, a lot of times people have tons of problems for the, for the preacher. And they think the preacher is like Superman who sprinkles fairy dust on everything and, and is, shows up at everything and does everything. And, and I'm not saying that the preacher shouldn't be at some, but you know, at the end of the day, like he needs help. There has to be people who are helping. And I, I think that's the application to this, right? Like if you want, if you're part of a church, and you want a, a, a biblical church that's doing work, real work in the kingdom. You know, you can translate this like, right, like to your preacher being like one of these guys. It's not right for your preacher to have to neglect the ministry of the word and prayer mm. for the waiting on the tables. Now, what that does not mean is that the waiting on the tables was unimportant. We'll see right. that it, it was vital that it continued. It's just that he's a human being who can't do it all. And so I think this is the applications that, right, that uh, we need men and women in the church that will take pick up the slack and do some of the, for lack of a better word, menial stuff in the church so the preacher can prepare sermons, study, yeah. preach, uh, you know, and, and uh, devote himself to prayer. That's what I think is going on here. I've not seen that carried out. I've seen preachers bogged down with a lot of expectations sometimes mm. right we expect you to visit and to be here and do that oh yeah and we also expect a good sermon yeah which by the way 
I, how much time does it take you to write one sermon? If you, uh, it, it's most of the week. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's not like a, it's not like one of those things that I accomplish sometimes in one day, maybe a couple days. Um, maybe some weeks some weeks are different than others. Depends on. So what I, I, I'd say I put eight to ten hours in a sermon. Yeah, uh, at, at least that, and that doesn't count. Uh, the the. I, I dream about it, you know, when it's on my mind in the week, I, I go to bed thinking about what I'm going to preach the next Sunday. I, I practice it. Uh, it doesn't count all that people. I don't think people realize that mm. like how much time now, look, you could, you could, you could spend three hours writing a sermon, an hour writing a sermon and they're going to get uh, something equivalent to that. Yeah. Right. The, the sermon's going to be less good. Uh, right. And, and so like, I, I love the idea and I don't know where I heard this, but that it was, I think the determination should be Sunday morning. That sermon should be the leadership should say, we want a home run. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to do whatever it takes for you to hit a home run every Sunday. That means we're going to lower our expectations on other stuff. And the elders are going to do the pastoral work. Hmm. The deacons are going to do the menial task. Other members are going to get involved. And, and, and they say, preacher, don't show up, man, please don't show up to this thing. You know, we don't expect it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I, I think the whole congregation has to get behind that and say, we don't expect our preacher to do all the things we're going to fill the gaps because it's a, it's a team effort. Yeah. Right. We're all working together and it's that way they partner in the gospel. Well, that, that's what <clears throat> I think that's what Jack Coffey said when when I when I was uh, talking with them, I was like, how did how did that work as far as like, how did you and he was an elder down at Southeast for um, Bob Russell. And I said, how did that work with Bob? And he said that exact quote. He said, he said, we wanted Bob to hit a home run every Sunday. So we were going to do whatever it took. So we limited, like we limited how many weddings he could do. We limited how many, mm-hmm. you know, like, like we, we had another person there that could do funerals and stuff like that. And, and uh, it's so important because I, I think so many people, so many guys in ministry are dropping like flies because they're dropping out because they, they're overwhelmed with all the stuff that comes well, with it. And, and if I'm fair to myself, I love human, like I love people. Right. And, and yeah. I wouldn't do this if I didn't love people. I genuinely love the people in the church. Yeah. I can't be at every function, every event. I can't visit everybody who's got a stub toe. Uh, I care. I care. Yeah. And just because I don't show up to the hospital does not mean I don't care. And and frankly, I'm not I find I'm not gifted pastorally in that. Now, I like writing sermons. I like studying. I like delivering a sermon. Yeah. And and I feel like that's my gift in this. And there's, I think, and you, and you know how this works. There's things that wear you out more than others. I know preaching is a different tire, but, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think what happens a lot of times in ministry is a lot of preachers, they don't, they don't, they don't get to do what they love doing as much. They're, they're having to spend time doing things they, that are a chore and it, it's draining. Mm. Uh and I can, you know, I, I don't have that. My elders are great, great, great about that. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful uh, for that. But it hadn't always been the case. Yeah, I, I could say the same thing, you know, for the most part. I mean, the guys here, they they step up and, you know, um, 
the deacons are fantastic. They so, do, so are these are, are, when when this happens in Act Six, right? They have this. They call for people to be selected from among them to carry on this ministry, and most people think this is the first example of deacons. It doesn't say that the word deacons not used except for the word right. minister. You know, like wait on tables mm. uh, it comes from that word, but. Uh, it, it, it very well could be this could be an example of what deacons should be doing. Yeah. And 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 as they go about it, I, I you know, they, they're picking these um, these men who are uh, it says they chose seven men from among who are full of the spirit and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, uh, you know, who we might put in charge of the task, right, yeah. that that they delegated. And they put them in charge and they did not micromanage. Yeah. My, that, that's, I think that's one of my buzzwords for how, for church leadership, man, uh, people in ministry with responsibility should not be micromanaged. They should be yeah. put in charge of the task. Yeah. Yeah. Get, just get the job done. Do do the job that you're supposed and, to and, do. And if I don't think you can do it, right? Like if, if you, if, if you select me, appoint me, hire me to do something, but but micromanage me. I don't understand the point of me doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like like these guys were trusted to do the task and do it well. It might they might do it different. But they they're and that doesn't mean they're not accountable to them. So so what do you think they did? Like they look into the crowd and they're like, hey, look, there's this guy's probably good. This dude looks like he's pretty good. I he, I've heard good things about him. Like. Like how how do they go about it? I guess it doesn't really say. They just they gathered together and they they had a you know i don't want to know you know say qualifications but they kind of had some guys that were qualified for the position that they were trying to bring in somebody who's responsible somebody who right you know is loves jesus and and uh, is full of the spirit and he's wise how to handle certain situations i, I don't know um maybe maybe they called a congregational business meeting i don't know I'm <laughs> well, they they certainly appoint appointed laid hands on these people to do the job and among them's the guy we're going to follow up with, right? Uh, it's Stephen, who yeah. uh, act- actually, you know, two of these guys become prominent in the next couple chapters. And that's Stephen for sure. And, Stephen and Philip. Yeah, so which, they- which, by the way, these are deacons who we would say, I'm going to say they're deacons, right? They're, they're, they're doing a menial task. Yeah. But that doesn't mean all they do is a menial task. Stephen and Philip are major evangelists in the church. In Acts chapter seven uh, and eight, I mean they're yeah. preaching, yeah, uh, as well. And so I don't, I don't think just because we have one task, like say you're a deacon in the church, and doesn't mean, yeah, doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that you shouldn't be teaching or evangelizing. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree, and I, I think that that's a great example of it. Obviously, there's some big time things that are going to happen in the next couple chapters that we will see. Um, one thing I want to hit on really quickly before we move on to the next section is uh, verse seven. Yeah. Um, the word of God was spreading, right? Number of disciples in Jerusalem were increasing. Um, greatly, greatly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it says a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And so we see we see the gospel spreading, and it's like kind of like this idea like, hey, man, we, we had this task. It, what seemed to be a problem actually turned out to be a blessing. Um, because we were able to use this situation and we were able to empower people to do a job that we needed them to do that we couldn't do all by ourselves. Um, 
And so God's word is spreading through it. And I, I honestly believe wholeheartedly that God uses everything. He doesn't waste a thing. He can use everything. Um, to How to much, how much of a impact in the community was people observing this ministry that was probably unique? Yeah, it's major. I, I think, right. Like, like if you're a widow in Jerusalem, Right. And you're a Jewish widow in Jerusalem. And you're like, man, they don't care. You know, I, I don't know what the thought process is, but I, I, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to believe that that wasn't a factor in their, in some of their conversion. Do you think really quickly, do you think there's a lack of that in the church today? Do you think we have a lack of people who are willing to step up and, and, you know, um, not just, not just from a, a leadership standpoint, but just people who are, there's a lack of desire to want to serve, um, you know, in the church today. Do you think that's, do you think that's an issue? I mean, I know obviously different, everybody's different, but do you think that's a problem today? Mm, that's a good question. I, I think there are some people that have a servant's heart and they're willing to, we don't need an organized ministry. Uh, we don't need an organized ministry to care for widows. Right. We don't we don't need that. You know, we have God's permission for that. Yeah. And and so, it, you know, maybe there's a guy listening that's waiting on the church to start a program or a ministry that they feel. I, I don't think that has to be the case. Do something in the name of Jesus, you know, with or without a church organized program here. It happens to be an organized effort uh, through the name of the church. Uh, but but I think that can happen with or without the church. Yeah. And and I, I think that everyone should aspire to wait tables. This is not a demeaning uh, task. This is an honor. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So so we see this happening. Um, and Stephen, he takes this as an opportunity to, uh, I guess, spread the gospel. Right. Mm -hmm. is, is the, and and he does it. It says that Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. And he performed great wonders and signs among the people. And because of it, there's opposition that comes up, right? There's an opposition mm -hmm. that arises, says, from the members of the synagogue, um, uh, the synagogue of the freedmen. Um, and it tells kind of what that was. And then who they're arguing with Stephen. And anytime that you stand up for something like this, you can expect that there's going to be some sort of pushback by someone like have you ever right. experienced pushback in your ministry? Like somebody maybe, you know, I mean, you, I don't, you don't need to drop a name, but just, just, you know, have I, you ever experienced pushback? Um, yeah, I, I think anytime that we start trying to do something, there's going to be opposition. And I love the example of Nehemiah and Sandballot, right? You know, Nehemiah's organizing this rebuilding effort of the wall. And then there's the critic. And anytime you set out to do something, there's going to be a critic. There's always going to be someone that's got, that's going to try to uh, be a wet blanket, mm. right? You're not doing a good job. That's not how you do it. This is how I would do it. You missed this. You forgot that, you know, and uh, well, at least you're doing something. Yeah. You know? And, and, and so, but yeah, the, this pattern, this rhythm throughout acts, right. Of problem, uh, growth, right? Problem resolution, growth, uh, persecution, yeah. preaching, right? And, and it's just these things that keep repeating. 
throughout Acts. Yeah, so so he's accused here uh, in Acts chapter seven of blasphemy, right? Speaking against mm-hmm. the, the temple and the Jewish law, um, falsely accused is probably a better word of saying. Yeah, it. and they and they purposely did that just like they did with Jesus, right? They were willing to. They were so zealous for right that they were willing to lie. Yeah. It makes sense will, to will, me. Willing to willing to sin to be right, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is a an oxymoron. Um, and, and and so we see here that Stephen is already having some issues come up. Um, I don't think that he has second thoughts because of what we see in the next chapter. But man, sometimes when we have those situations that you were just talking about, that wet blanket, sometimes, man, it feels like there have been, I know I can't speak for you or anybody else, but I know for myself, like in those moments, sometimes it does feel like you're like, man, do I really want to do this? Like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, there are days when I'm like, you know what, if, if I want people to criticize me, I'll go, wow. you know, I'll go work at Walmart where I can be done at five o'clock and, and not have to and, deal with and where it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. like, I don't care if they don't like how I bagged your groceries, but when you, when you don't like how I delivered the word of God, that's like, we invested in that differently you know like our, our pe- people don't know like i and i i don't think it's all intentional and, and we don't share our heart on this as preachers very well you know because it sounds arrogant or, or something we do but we live this like like this is our life yeah. and it's more than a job so like you know we spend the, a week planning preparing thinking criticizing ourselves doubting like, man, I don't know if you about you, and maybe this isn't fair for everyone. It's true for me, is self-doubt. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the the weird emotional stuff that we deal with. Like, I don't, I don't know. I we're weird people sometimes, preachers are, and we need encouragement, but not flattery. Like, yeah. yeah. Like I don't want flattered, and I'm awkward when people tell me I did a good job, but I need people to tell me I did a good job. Uh and but when someone criticizes, it hurts, you know, yeah. it hurts. And, and I'm thinking, you know, part of me is thinking, I get it. Like you might not admit something ultimate by it, but this is who I am. It's not what I do. Yeah. This, I, I, I eat, breathe and sleep this. And you just came in off the street with no preparation and, and had a critique for what I did. And I'm not infallible. Yeah. I, can, I, I need, maybe I need, challenge from time to time I, I just think people should be guarded with how they criticize anybody that's put their heart into any ministry uh we should be careful how we criticize that and there's a fine line between helpfully uh encouraging someone to do better and criticizing mm. uh, being a sand ballot I, I think so. there's, I think there's, I love how you said that. I, I think there's a, there's a quote out there that, that is easier said than done, but they said, I think maybe it was Craig Rochelle. And he said, he said, never let uh, praise go to your head and never let criticism go to your heart. Yeah. And, and you know, if you can master those things uh, it's easier said, like I said, than done, because I know, there have been times, you know, definitely throughout my ministry where there have been, there have been things said to me that I'm like, 
goodness. Like, I guess I can't, I don't know how, how a preacher can't really respond the way that some people can. When, if you, you know, you wouldn't do that if you walked into another <laughs> job and said that to somebody. No, but I think we, I do think we, we have to, and I hadn't done this. I think we have to decide who matters. Yeah. Not that everybody doesn't matter. Understand what I'm saying. Like everyone matters, but whose voice matters. Like if you came to me, cause you're my friend, you know, if you came to me and said, man, you're a, you, you, you could do better, right? That sermon wasn't good. You didn't give that your best. That would matter. But if some guy comes off the street, I got to determine that doesn't matter. Yeah. And criticizes. And, and that's true. Fill in the blank with the ministry. Decide whose voice matters to you and uh, whose doesn't. Uh, that's hard. Uh, you know, I, you know, the, anything I've said to do, you know, I've, I've braced for some type of critique or criticism. I'm, you know, dealing with some of that, you know, now, you know, we, you know, don't, you know, you're in a building project and people complain about what we're doing. Or I, I wrote an article for a, a magazine and got an email criticizing it. I got several texts complimentary, but you know, the, you know, you know, the thing that one that always out, stands out is the tag on. Why is that the case? Yeah. Why is that one the thing that's radiating in my mind? Yeah. And, and, uh, and so maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's pride. Uh, maybe it's low self. I don't know what it is, but, and, and I think it's, we, we need encouragement. Everybody needs encouraged in ministry. Yeah. Not, I'm not talking about preaching ministry. Right. I, I mean, our children's ministry workers, Sunday school teachers, they need encouraged because they might not, they might not know that what they're doing matters. Yeah. And so, you know, if I could give encouragement that what you're doing, even if it's behind the scenes, that nobody's patting you on the back. It matters. And what it might be doing is it might be allowing somebody else to do the ministry of the word and prayer. It's partnering with, and it's just as important as the preaching, right? You're yeah, someone scrubbing the toilets. It's yes. different, but it's just as important because if, uh, you know, Nancy Lou didn't clean your toilets, yeah. well, Micah would have to do it. And that'd be less time he could spend doing the other. So thank you for those that do work in the church, wherever you do the work, because it is evangelistic. It is vital yes. to the to the church. Everything that's done is vital. And we could spend hours on here probably calling out just different names at your church and at mine and and not even just at our churches, but just other places, just people who are um just a big part of, of what we accomplish in this world. Sometimes, sometimes a lot of the things that's seen here that happens, I know at our church sees me because I'm on the, I'm on the stage. They see the face, but the, but there is so much going on behind the scenes that people don't know things that yeah. people are doing and stepping up. And I'm just really thankful for those. Those yeah. people are dogs, man. Those people are, that's awesome. and, 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 and not only that, but I would say this, my mom used to always tell me, if you think something bad about somebody, you should keep it to yourself. <laughs> and, and, and I would flip that around and I would say, if you think something good about somebody, you should absolutely tell them Yeah, you have no idea how powerful your words are. And, That's some, true. and, and, and sometimes, you know, one word of encouragement could make or break someone's day. Yeah. Our I words really have the power that. of life and death. I, I'd add to that too. Like I've heard the same statement. Uh, let's get to where we don't think things bad about people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
I'm not saying I've arrived. You know, I think all sorts of bad things about you. You know, but, <laughs> you know, my I, coffee preference. I, but I and I say them. Yeah. Was that was that a subtle attack on my criticism of your coffee choices? <laughs> Is that what you're trying to do? I mean, look, you can go with that wherever you want. You know, I right. look, look, man, you know this. My 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 grandfather, he preached for over 60 years, which is crazy. You know, like a lot of you have heard me say that. But I I had heard so many people, you know, over the years, there were things that were said to him mm. that I couldn't believe like somebody actually said to him. Like I was like, I can't believe you like you didn't even say it to me. And I'm, I'm a little bit taken back. Like, I can't believe you said that to him. Like, you know, um, and, and I think we just have to be careful. The things that we, the, the discouraging because discouraging leads to nothing good. Right. But encouraging people and telling them, I mean, it, it is so powerful and what it does. I, I love that about uh, Barnabas, you know, and mm-hmm. his name has changed to Barnabas, you know, later on we'll meet him, but his name has changed to Barnabas because, um, you know, the, it means son of encouragement. He's known for his encouraging, you know, and man, I hope like at the end of my life, um, I wasn't known for, um, you know, having the biggest church or anything like that, but, but I would, I was known for a guy who just was really encouraging to others. Yeah. You know, I could say, Hey, Micah, he built people up, not tear, didn't tear them down. And, um, again, work in progress for sure. But, uh, but man, can you imagine what our church would look like today? The churches today, you know, would look like if, if we spent more time encouraging each other instead of tearing each other down. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I don't think that's unique. Uh, I think that's, that was a problem in the first century and it's a problem now. Yeah. So, so just to wrap this up, um, that's a good chapter, man. I thought, I, I think that just has so much application to where we are. It does. It does. And, you know, we, we see this here. There's, there's problems. These guys are, these guys are a problem, no matter what they're constantly causing problems. And here we see this problem with Stephen and Stephen at the end, I, I don't even really know what to think of this last verse. It says in verse 15, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face yeah. of an angel. What yeah. does that mean? Well, I, I think when we get to the next chapter, we get an idea of what's going on. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, uh, the, you know, I not just going back or dodging what you were saying, but this chapter sure does have some great principles for church leaders. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, and our, our friend Wade Allen wrote a book on Act Six, uh, leadership principles in Act Six. Really? Somewhere. Yeah, you didn't know that. I might have known that. I don't know. Huh. Shout out Wade Allen for um, he's gonna. Jason's looking for this book. Yeah, I'm looking for it. You know, um, while you're looking for that, yeah, that that is that's good. Um, you know, a lot of people tie chapter six and seven in Acts together. Uh, which they are obviously um, because of what happens next in, to Stephen. But, um, and I actually almost did that. Like when we were studying this day, I was like, Hey, maybe, maybe we'll just put six and seven together. And then, but the more you read it, the more you see, you know, all the stuff that it's like, Holy cow. Um, that's a lot of stuff to cover. A lot of practical stuff to cover in chapter six. So can't find Unless, it. Can you? No, nah, I took it home. I guess you love it, it to somebody else. 
Yeah, it's good stuff though. I I have you have to plug it because it's really good. Act six. What is it? Principles in Act Six. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's. Is it it's, on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Okay. I think it's good. It, it's good. That's it's, a fairly it's, new book, right? It, it's called the It's called the New Normal: Leadership from uh, Lessons from Acts Chapters One Through Six. So five dollars and twenty five cents on Amazon. Go get it. Yeah, it's worth every bit of it. Wade Allen, legend. <laughs> and you know what? Wade Allen is a who who's your fan. So uh he knows he knows all about Indiana basketball. So he does. He does. He's all right. He's I don't a, like he's a I don't good like man. him anymore. He loves Jesus and he loves the Hoosiers, and that's all that matters. So uh <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for listening today. Um, I'm going to put a poll on here. Uh, make sure you answer this uh, about about coffee choices and show Jason that I'm not as crazy as he thinks I am. Like he he makes me sound like I'm the minority, but I I don't know about that. Like I don't know if there would be a Starbucks or a Dunkin' if I was the minority, right? Like I, I don't think I don't know if you're a minority. I, I, there has to be a way to identify, like, I don't know, to eliminate some votes based on, you know, certain factors. <laughs> please, please <laughs> tell. Please go into those. I better not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, guys, don't forget to check out next week. We're going to be in Chapter 7. If you want to go ahead and, and, and look, maybe read into that as, uh, yourself as we go through and see what happens because of because of Stephen's stand we're going to get into that next week chapter seven uh don't forget all the uh it's on all the major platforms share like whatever uh we, we would love for you to um subscribe on anchor uh share it with your friends um because it really is just about uh, jesus and that's all we want to make known here so uh thank you guys again appreciate you and we'll talk to y'all later this has been a behind the mic podcast thanks for tuning in Make sure you check us out next week. And remember, we're always striving to love God, love others, and serve both.